Welcome to Global from Asia podcast, episode 362, Differences in UK and USA Amazon and e-commerce. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. Hi, I'm Shaina. And I'm Aubrey. And we're filling in for Mike today in the intro. So Aubrey, how's the status of your lockdown? Is it okay now or what's the status? On our area, it's quite manageable and I heard that we're starting to open our place for the tourists who want to go here in Puerto Galera. So yeah. That's very nice. I wanted to see Puerto Galera myself. So just an update regarding the deal flow. We're currently receiving sources from various platforms such as WeChat and basically they are coming from us or to us because the factories MOQ has increased and they just want to sell. So I believe that for the benefits of our viewers or listeners, it is best to know that they can also submit a form to us. Just visit globalfromasia.com slash broker. Again, it's globalfromasia.com slash broker. Wow, that's a nice update. Thanks for that one, Aubrey. So for today's show, Mike and I are interviewing Kony about United Kingdom e-commerce and the differences in U.S. market. Let's tune in. You can also check out the full show notes at www.globalfromasia.com slash uk-differences. Now, let's do this. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for tuning to listen or watch. You know, we're all getting self-conscious with the video for the show today. Well, we do do video format for these, but it is traditionally an audio podcast. But thanks so much for choosing to download or listen or watch Global From Asia's podcast. Today is as fun as always. We're always looking for new topics, great people, hidden gems in the community. And I think today we have one, Connie Amode. She is the founder of Magnet AMS agency in the UK, working with Amazon sellers, e-commerce sellers around the world to grow their business. It's also been a pleasure to get to know her over over the months. Work. She's also doing marketing consulting for uh, blockchain projects, and I'm I'm uh, also helping with Sentinel on the Indigenous router, which has been fun and uh, get to know Connie there as well. So thank you again, Connie, for coming on today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Mike. I'm really excited. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's we've been preparing for this, and there's so much you could share. I mean, you have so much experience working in, in the with the U.S. and in the U.K. But I was kind of just thinking of the topic we could kind of focus on is you know you're you're in the U.K. and you work with American brands and companies, you know, coming into Europe and of course in their native U.S. market. But I joke about myself like Americans, we we are a little bit big country. You know, big countries sometimes get don't have to work with other countries too much and they kind of lose touch of other cultures. So, I mean, a lot of times I think we lump in a UK as another English language market. So today I think we even chatted before preparing for the show. There are a lot of differences, but how, how many American English things are you seeing in, in the UK now? I mean, is it, is it really out of control or what? Well, I think British brands are very careful to not have American spelling in anything. Actually, If we write, if I so we we work with American clients, there've been instances where 
the copywriter or the content writer that's kind of just written in American English because American English is almost global English in some ways, right? Everybody writes American English for many parts of the world. Um, and they sent something to, uh, to a British client and they've come back with all of these corrections and most of them are all just American British spelling. I may have spotted a few or somebody else may have spotted a few, but I was like, let's actually see if people really care about it. They care. They absolutely care. I'm not exactly sure why. I suspect it has something to do with being proud of the British heritage and like mm. we don't spell things with an a Z, we spell things with an S. And we don't have U in color. And we don't do we don't spell things T-E-R, we spell it T-R-E. So these are slight things. And I think consumers can tell where the brand is from. And I think they get a bit irritated, to be honest. Yeah. When it's not, they'll they'll, they'll notice it. That definitely, they noticed definitely. it. Yeah, yeah. So I think anyone that's doing, if you're writing content for a British audience, I would, it's difficult because all the tools are all Americans and Microsoft and, you know, so often, it's really funny, we would write, I would write something with an S, for example, organized and very common thing, right? A common one, very easy one to, to, to share. Organized, and I would write organized with an S and Microsoft would correct me and tell me it's wrong and they would want me to write it with a Z. Oh. And why is Microsoft correcting me? It's British English. I mean, I don't understand. It's really annoying. <laughs> Obviously, most of the tools are American companies, so they actually don't recognize which is spelling. So often you have to go in and change it. So for like people who are using, you in the US using an American tool, there's no, no way you would know what is British spelling. So there lies the question of how do you actually identify what's spelled wrongly? I think that's where it's important to work with someone who's local and they can make sure that you write things correctly. And I think there's other, there's other you know, elements of writing for a British audience that a content writer or a copywriter that's local can, can guide you with, which we can talk about more in, in a bit. Sure. <laughs> so it's obvious when American English is used on UK websites, consumers there can quickly tell if they're correct. They can tell, like, they'll know, obviously, they, most of the time if it's an American company, depends on how big it is. If it's an American brand, people know it's an American brand. If they're a very big company, most likely they'll use British spelling because they already <laughs> have people who tell them that they should write in the style of the local audience. That's one big thing in marketing, especially when you're selling, I think, a lot of brands or companies that are selling in Amazon, it's easy to sell internationally, and a lot of people can be quite lazy and just translate their Google Translate or just kind of throw their listings from America and throw it in the UK. The audiences are different, and actually, big companies don't make that mistake. Typically, they'll localize their content to make it sound like the local inhabitants or the indigenous people. So you don't see a very big company, small startup, small, medium size. You can tell that they've come into the UK, they've just kind of rushed and they just follow the American spelling. And you might be on tube, or remember, I say tube, right? So that's another local word for like train, um, underground train. And you might be on the underground train and people would see the ads and be like, oh, that's a, why they spelled it like that. <laughs> that's American spelling. Yeah. And, and they would make a comment, right? <laughs> so, Brits are very, very detail-oriented. So mm. like they, they, they note every single thing. So we also love to complain, which is really hard for customer brands because if you have an, a market where people are always complaining, you don't want them to be complaining about spelling because then it's like, oh, they spelled it American English, don't they know the British? And then, you know, maybe someone there might be like, oh, well, you know, like 
what kind of company is this? You know, it can just easily go from spelling to like, what kind of company doesn't know that it's British English then, but they should be writing British English. So it. it can be quite, yeah, it can, it, you know, I don't think anyone's not going to buy your product because you spot, you spelt it, spelt things wrong, but I don't think it's necessarily good for your reputation, you know, to build yeah. a building a brand. Yeah, it's kind of like my next question here. Like, is there some blunders or some, some funny ones that you kind of been mentioning a little bit with Microsoft and stuff, but is there some some ones that you think are worth highlighting of like brands that have really messed up or done it wrong or, or stood out or it probably negative. It's never positive, right? It's just could be negative, right? If they're using the American English. So it's not necessarily English, but this is an interesting one for you guys, <laughs> because it's more about how people promote American products and the kind of things that fly in the U S that will never fly here. So I don't know if you remember this company. It's a few years ago. They're called Protein Powder. So they, I think it's called Protein Powder. They did a partnership with Khloe Kardashian. And they were all over, right? I think it's the first time a lot of people heard about the product. They were all over the, the tube. They had like a massive marketing splash. And I was on the tube one day. Tube means underground train guys, by the way. Um, oh, another localized, localized, localized. I was thinking television. Was, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So, right, right. So the tube is a, it's like the, the kind of informal way of saying the underground train. So there's like an underground, underground network in London and that we call it the tube. I, I still don't know why, but that's why everybody calls it. And so I was on the tube and I looked at the ad and I thought the, the, the headline of the ad was, are you beach body ready? And I was like, mm, I don't really know if I am actually. Anyway, and continued going. <laughs> so it turns out a lot of people asked themselves the question, maybe for a lot of people who weren't feeling very beach body confident, they were actually insulted by the ad. Mm-hmm. And the ad caused a lot of problems and they actually had to take it down. There's a lot. Of, and obviously, Khloe Kardashian was like ripped on the, the, the cover and she looks great. And it, I think the, the, the feeling was that it created a lot of negative emotions in people and people were, it was like almost asking, well, if you don't have a great body, you're not ready for the beach. And if you're not ready for the beach, you need to go and sort it out, right? So I think to an American audience, that's a very, very tenuous, tenuous meaning like very, like it's a bit of a reach to insult, right? But in the UK and Europe, that is anything, you know, something like that can easily get you thrown off and something like that can easily get people to turn against you. And so they actually removed, they had a further campaign and they removed all of the ads from the station. And I haven't seen Protein Powder advertising uh, in the UK since then. So I think in terms of the audience, people are way more sensitive here and they get way more offended more easily from ads. Interesting. So um, I I can see very easily how that that could have gone through a wave of American sign-offs and just be like, yeah, what's the problem? Are you big body ready? And I don't know if they had a problem in the US. I don't think they did. I think it was only in, in the UK and in Europe. And... If they had a problem in the UK versus other parts of Europe, it's because the UK has way more ads. So when, you know, there's so much more advertising here. So I think way more people would have seen it here. And yeah, so they made people were really complaining. So I think be careful with the claims. The claims, people are very, and like, they, they will go and contact the Advertising Standards Agency and find out, you know, like, they will do things like that. So be careful with the claims. They're not, make sure they're not unfounded. And you can back them up because people do complain. 
complaining is part of the culture here. So people are encouraged to complain, like to complain. <laughs> so I complain to get results here. So people are, it's like a, a vicious kind of a cycle to encourage people to complain. Oh, so, man. and then as well, like don't, you know, be careful about the ads and make sure you're not insensitive or, you know, show it to somebody who's British and see, to make sure that you're not kind of, the sensibilities are a little bit more, I think, softer. Got it. Mm, so what should American or non non UK companies do better to target UK co- consumers without getting them, you know, um, offended? My beach body is ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's you know, like have if you speak to somebody who's marketing in the UK. So for a lot of companies, I think they may want to have American marketers. I think it's important to have one British marketer in the team at least, or even a consultant who can tell you, who can look over things with a British eye. Because you can't really teach someone this type of thing, right? You know, like yeah. they either understand how people think or they don't. And if you don't live in the country, it's gonna be hard for you to understand. Like, so I think having a British team locally could be really good because uh, they'll help you flag these things. And typically like having a kind of, I mean, I don't want, you know, that everyone's banging on about diversity. But diversity, if you're an international company and you want to sell internationally, having some diversity team helps you catch these things because everybody is from the same place and they're not going to see what difference. I remember talking to one of my American clients, they're an energy drink company, and they, they, they were making some, you know, massive claims on their product. And I thought it was very hypey. And they didn't, you know, I'm, because I'm working with them and I'm based here, they didn't see any difference in, they are like, no, it's not, but it's not hypey for the US, but American brands are very hypey, which I didn't make them not like, just very over the top, whereas people here and brands here are a little bit more subtle. So I actually told him I thought it was very hypey and he did, he had, he, he thought I was absolutely bonkers. He was like, I don't see how that is hypey. So, but if he was trying to come into the UK, I wouldn't, been like no you shouldn't say that because i don't think people believe you if they don't believe you they won't trust you and then your ads won't work so got it got it interesting so it's kind of related to what what you were just saying but just to be more precise you know a lot of people of course business owners like what's what's kind of like a, a budget i should put if i have you know like we, we've, we're talking about e-commerce a little bit you know a lot of people are in e-commerce so like if i'm a seller in the U.S. market, and I want to go to the U.K. market, and I have listings. Is there's the text, but you know what? Is there other things like? Is there a way to like? It's like a formula about how much I invest, or what's the checklist, or you know, you said consultant like you, or or someone that knows the market. There, is there a way people can kind of put a line item or a budget on their on their plan for for doing it correctly? Well. Wow. First of all, I want to say that everything has become three times harder since Brexit. So uh, before we had one process for selling in the UK and in the EU, now we have two. So it's double the money. Just for those, sorry guys. Sorry. Um, so <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm blaming David Cameron, the, the Prime Minister at the time. That's who I'm blaming. Uh, so. In terms of what you need, and this price will vary depending on kind of who you're working with, but I'll give you like an overall what people tend to need. You will need VAT numbers in the EU markets that you want to sell in. So Amazon does it like a package, basically. You can sell in Poland, Czech Republic, and uh, Germany, or you can sell in Germany, France, Spain, Italy, and Germany. So depending on what, where you kind of want to sell and where you want your goods to be stored, 
so you can you you should you should try and think about having VAT numbers in those markets. So if you want your goods to be stored in Germany or Czech Republic or Poland, then try and get a VAT number in those markets. If you want your goods to be stored just in Germany, then you need a VAT number. And the reason why the storage and the selling is a little bit different is because again, I'm not a VAT expert, but we have some experience doing this with VAT experts, is that if you're storing your goods somewhere, even if you're not selling them there, you still need VAT numbers. So because of what how Amazon works, if you're selling in Europe, they will require you to keep your goods in one warehouse, either in Germany or across three different countries, which means they can fulfill based on the goods across three different warehouses. So if you're going to do that, you need VAT numbers. Now, Amazon charges you like a double fee if you don't do it in Czech Republic and Poland. If you don't do it in Germany, they'll charge you a double fee because they want you to do it, keep your goods in three warehouses, basically. It's like a way to kind of discourage you to do that. So as a standard... Try and have three VAT numbers, Czech Republic, Poland, and Germany. If you want to be kind of like, oh, I don't want to pay for Germany, and I don't want to pay for Poland and Czech Republic, you get charged double placement fees. So I don't think it's worth it. You should try and do three at once. That's really the kind of long-term play. Once right. you have that, you can get, you can sell in other European markets in the EU, Spain, France, Italy, without uh, VAT, but usually there's a threshold. So, and if you sell above that threshold, you will then need to have VAT. So it's better and more cost-effective to have a think about your market that you want to sell in and be strategic. So what we what we would do is we would go and look at the kind of search demand for the products. Mm. Look at the category. Even though you're not selling in that category yet, you need to think about it and think about what is the reward here how big is the reward and if you think it's really good germany is a really good place because a lot of don't think about germany germany is actually the biggest one of the biggest markets in europe it's actually bigger than the uk i would say the biggest market in, the, in, in europe actually bigger than the uk people always want to come to the uk but the uk is much smaller than germany so selling on germany in itself is, is going to be quite good so germany i would say is a go-to place for selling in the eu at least as the first kind of step up so think about that and the, the cost of the VAT numbers tends to vary across the, the, the different marketplaces. But if you do it, I think if you do it as a sum, you can probably do around 3,000, 4,000 pounds. Okay. So yeah, VATs are the main expenditure, I would say, on, in, that you need to think about. And yeah. And then you awesome. need to pay for so, uh, VAT companies and to make sure that they offer a service to have correspondence and letters being written to them almost like a point of contact locally. There's a word that they call it, I can't quite remember right now, but they need to offer that service where they can, you can use their address as a German address for your company, you know, and they will then manage all of the kind of paperwork for you. They'll do the VAT filing for you as well. But I think a couple of thousand, so depending on how many countries, I would say try and do three minimum. And you're looking around 3,000 pounds a year, uh, for three countries for VAT and then you need to also register for economic operators registration it's like an, e, it's called an ERI number E-O-R-I number you also need to register for that as well I don't know how much it costs but you need to register for an EU ERI number Got and it. once you have the ERI number and you have the VAT you're kind of in business okay. so maybe budget around you know 4,000 5,000 pounds Okay. And then on a per listing format, like, should they have some, 
like a UK copywriter, marketer, at least review them? I mean, there was probably modifying it and checking it over. I mean, is there like, I mean, the way you work or others, is it like a per listing kind of review, you know, to localize localization, right? Is what it would be. Yeah. Localization. Yeah. Yeah. So we do, we do that. We will look at all of it and we'll localize all of it. And that may require it to be rewritten. It depends on how well it was written in the first place. A lot of people may have not written it very well in the beginning <laughs> and they just kind of bring you something that's bad over to the UK. True. Uh, yeah, so if it's if it's well written already and it has keywords and it meets a character accounts, then we can just tweak them. But if they're if they're kind of not well written, then we kind of have to do it all over again. But then they could also improve their US listing. So it's like a double double fix. Exactly, exactly. And for yeah. Germany and for the other European countries, they also require different Germans are very exact and detail yeah. into people they want to know everything mm-hmm. uh, and that's exactly how doing business with Germans are as well they want to know everything and they're very very like procedure conscious so there are things that an American company will most likely not put in their listings because it's not good for marketing but the Germans will want to know so all of the different German countries all the different European countries that you want to sell in you'll localize those countries the UK localizing for the UK is not localizing for Germany this is a completely different audience and also the images as well, that people often need the text in a different language. So in sometimes a lot of times in English, which is offensive to people in Germany. So like, you need like, oh, why is that? We're not, you know. And, and also definitely don't do that in France because the French don't even want to speak English, even though they know how to. So always make sure that the images and all the text and the graphics have been translated as well. Got it. Thank you for that. Okay, so how about in launching and marketing kickoff in United Kingdom? What about, what's their, you know, marketing process and strategy? Is it the same one that you would do in the U.S. or in German market, for example? Yeah, it can be quite tricky. I, get, I mean, I think I get asked this question all the time. And I, <laughs> I think the best thing, the best tip I would say is allocate a budget. And I think one of the biggest mistakes I find is that people want to go and sell on Amazon and they have no marketing budget. And their profits have been calculated. It's very healthy and whatever. And then all of that can actually be wiped away from your market by, by your marketing if you didn't allocate it properly. So first thing is make sure that you have a marketing budget because you can't launch on Amazon and get sold automatically. You do need to promote your products. So in terms of the strategies, they just vary depending on the margins. You know, If you're kind of, don't have a big budget you know you might want to think about ways to use uh kind of amazon associates and where we've been doing that that's really really cool there are loads of people on the internet who are making a lot of uh well they're making money but also they get a gathering of following by reviewing amazon products uh again depends on the kind of amazon products you have if it's a quirky really kind of unique twist on something then associates could be good then you also have lots of like third-party sites that promote. I mean, they're also associates or affiliates, but like they will list on their site the product for, for you. And so you can list on some of those sites. They don't guarantee that you will, a lot of them you have to pay a one-off fee. They don't guarantee that you will get sales. But again, if you have a marketing budget, you should have a budget to test different strategies because we get a lot of people like, we actually want to do this one strategy. And it's like, yeah, but it's different. It's based on your product, based on your audience. You may not like it. You know, you may not like, for example, I have some customers, we had some clients who sell business to business products and they're like, we want to do this 
you know, you want to give away, you want to do free, 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 want to give away free products. I mean, it's a business to business product. So like, you know, and you're going, you want to give it away on a site that deals with direct to consumer. So like, what is the odds you're going to get a lot of people wanting your business product on a site for consumers? You know what I mean? So like, but it's so, it, the strategies vary depending on what you're selling, but you know, third party sites, Amazon affiliates, and you know, one thing that we're also doing very that's getting great results is working with influencers. So they're not necessarily reviewing Amazon products, but if they're an influencer in the space, for example, you have a really cool pet product, you have people who have dogs and someone who's like always testing out new pet products, and you have influencers that people trust, you can give out your products to local influencers. You know, require some research, may require a company, may require working someone like us to kind of help you find them and help you get in contact with them, but have a budget to do something like that because they actually get you can get a really good return on your investment by going down that route and of course you have your typical kind of standard ppc strategy where you could just promote your ads promote your product promote your ads so you get a lot to so get a lot of sales now it's possible we have people who do it, it depends on the niche that you're in and what you're selling um, and how big your budget is because it can be quite expensive but it's the fastest way to get sales because you're selling you know bottom of the funnel for the marketers like you know you're kind of reaching people when they're about to purchase. So that's probably the best place to reach them, which is on, on Amazon. But if you don't have a big budget and you have a product that might require a lot of reviews before people start to purchase, then try some of these other kind of third-party strategies that I talked about. Okay, very good. But I think I don't want to, again, be a, how do I say? But I mean, I think it's clear the UK market can we say it's easier than a U.S. market for launching? I mean, is that the right word? I'm trying to be sensitive here, but well, I mean, less competitive, easy, like, less competitive, right? I mean, the U.S. market is more competitive. Is that the better way of saying it? it? The U.S. market is way more competitive, but it's much bigger. It's much bigger. The U.K. Sure. market is not as much smaller, right? So there's not that many people to get in front of. Makes sense. And I think it's are a little bit more stingy. I mean, I just think that people here are more frugal. That's the word, frugal. British frugal. people are frugal. So yeah. they count their pennies and cents quite closely. So you have to do a lot to convince people to buy from you. All right. Um, but so, I mean, you have some advantages. I mean, you a lot of advantages. I mean, are you mostly working, you know, in the U.S. market or do you, you know, are clients kind of doing both or, you know, also Germany or, or, you know, outside of Brexit, you know, on the other side? I mean, maybe you can give us some insights. What are some trends you're noticing or, or with your clients or just in general, like where, where is the opportunities or, or the, or the uh, challenges? So in terms of opportunities, I think if you are a bit of a seasoned entrepreneur, you have some budget behind you, think about buying an Amazon, uh, an Amazon, existing Amazon business. You know, there are a lot of people who are selling on Amazon who are tired of selling on Amazon. There's a lot of motivated people. So, and I know that people are, you know, you know a lot of aggregation going on in the space by, you know, VC funded companies, but you can do that on a smaller scale as well. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to have a, like a loads and loads of money. You can even do like a kind of joint venture. You can do like a puppet share. You can do licensing. Because, for example, I have one, I have a client currently who has a great product, but it's very thin margins and he needs to add more products into his like store. It's not his main business, so he doesn't 
have the time to do that. If if you had a great, but if you could put a great product in the hand of someone that has time and energy to innovate and to add more products to their line, you could end up building a really, really successful business. But he doesn't have the time and doesn't have the motivation to do so. So he would be interested in selling or even licensing, licensing to somebody where it's like you take the kind of brand and the store and sell and manage it or and you just pay me something at the end of the kind of you know at the end of the the, the, the year and for like you know for me developing the brand and the reviews and then you take the rest and I know that a lot of people don't like they may not like the way oh I'm going to have my own thing 100% but actually why not just work with somebody who's already done a lot of the heavy lifting and just needs some pushing further so I think I'm hearing a lot of people who are frustrated with Amazon and who are tired which to me presents an opportunity to other people who have some either experience in retail, experience in online marketing, or they have a lot of, they have some funding behind them, they've done something else and they want to go into a kind of space of e-commerce. So to me, I think that's an opportunity for a lot of people because I hear some brands and some clients and I, they, they're kind of wanting to leave Amazon. And I think, oh, if their product was in the hand of the right, in the right hands, it can be very successful. So that's like the opportunity. The other threat I would say is like, I don't know if you guys are aware, but Amazon has thrown off significant amounts of Chinese sellers off. Yeah. The they're throwing quite a lot of people off the fake reviews and they've actually sent out a lot of their, they're kind of retracting their API from a lot of third-party sites that were using them to promote uh, while asking people to buy a product on Amazon and they'll refund it off Amazon. So that was something that, I wasn't a really black hat technique, I would say gray hat techniques. And they're really, really, really clamping down on those two te- those two things. So yeah, like I would say if you're manufacturing reviews or manufacturing clicks, or you have some kind of click farm and you have some really, really cool black hat techniques you're doing, I would be uh, quite careful. And if you're thinking about coming to Amazon and just doing that and doing that without kind of going to the organic route, I would say be very careful because Amazon is is clamping down um, and um, they are becoming also just another thing is that people are Amazon is in it's not a great they're not a really great organization to work with as a seller. Yeah. I just want to say that out, out front. You know, they love their customers and the customers are first and they will do anything for their customer, but for the sellers, they don't <laughs> give any hoots about you. So don't come into the space expecting great responses. It's a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of like robots in the back end telling you no, a lot of inconsistencies. The system is a bit glitchy. Just manage your expectations so that you don't come in frustrated, you know, because a lot of people come in and they think, oh, we're going to be rich. That's not how it works. (laughs) And also if you're selling something that is, if if you're an inventor or you've created a really cool product, be very careful because Amazon, the claims against Amazon and them, kind of going through and copying third-party sellers products is a real thing (laughs) Um, and I've seen what happens to categories and sellers where Amazon starts selling the same product their sales basically vanish because out you can't compete Amazon on price and you you just can't compete on their reputation so I would say if you've created something really cool try and invest some money in some of the things like trademarking and IPing and stuff like that, so that when the time comes, you can go to fight. You can fight with them on it because they they'll, they do it mostly to like people who they know have no recourse. You know what I mean? You just get copied, they take your idea, and then that's it. You know. 
So that's the thing I would say. And also the, the last thing I would say, I keep saying that is, I had lots of things about Amazon, is try and create your own websites as well. Like I think that relying on Amazon alone is, is pretty dangerous. I think a lot of people will do it. And Amazon is the platform, right? They can throw anyone off for anything. So relying on a platform is not really a good strategy. They're good in the short term to go to the market, test the market, create brand awareness. And if you already have a brand of Amazon, they're good to go and create awareness on Amazon. So it's kind of twofold. A lot of people are like, oh, I already have a brand. I don't care about Amazon. But like Amazon has 300 million people searching in the US alone. Right. So every month, so like you can never, what, you're going to pay for 300 million users. No, you're not. You're not, probably not going to get that big anyway. So, like, you can get your existing brand in front of more customers and expose them to like expose your product to new people who might be interested and improve your reach. And if you're new, you can go to the market and test and gain a following and a customer base via Amazon. But on both situations, develop other channels as well so that you're not dependent on one platform. Makes sense. Agree with that. <laughs> totally agree. So how about your agency? Can you tell us about you and what are you doing to help, you know, Amazon and e-commerce sellers succeed in UK, US and other, you know, other countries in the world? Yeah, sure. So right now I work with across the different, across kind of uh, cross section of different types of people. So someone new, complete startups, uh, created something really cool and wanted to launch on Amazon. Uh, and so we work, we work with them to kind of launch and work these strategies that we talk about. We work with them to test strategies, help sometimes with pricing as well. So making sure that they're priced properly, thinking about the kind of different fees that Amazon is going to charge and how much their marketing is going to cost. So they don't end up with a product that's so cheaply priced, they don't make any money. And then we work with kind of more mid-tier brands that are like already kind of selling off Amazon, but they want to get that reach that I talked about. So we can help them manage the ad campaigns, kind of manage their listings, create the listings with the keyword research, keyword optimization. And for, you know, a lot of people, what we do is not rocket science, but they don't have the time and they don't have the expertise. So we're always around supporting them. And we like to kind of think of ourselves as like partners. You know, we do a lot of different things. So we can help with the kind of Amazon-based ads of Amazon traffic. So that's like the affiliates, Google Shopping, Google ads, if you want SEO off Amazon as well, we can help with. So we help with quite a lot of the marketing, you know, but our team is so supportive and we're like, we say we're partners because if we if we're only doing marketing but you're having problems with administration and you're not able to fulfill your orders, then your marketing is then wasted, right? So yeah. it's now interest to help you across all the areas. You know, we have a very experienced team. So we do marketing and our job is to help you get sales and grow your business. But at the same time, we also support across the different areas in Amazon as well. So sometimes we get clients and like, oh, I'm so tired. I've emailed 50 times. They don't give me any response. And I'm like, okay, fine. Let's hand it over and then we'll sort it out. And so it's a kind of hand-in-hand uh, kind of service. Great. Sounds really great. And yeah, like we're really excited. As I said at the beginning of the show, we we've been working together and 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 sharing lots of information. And we you know here at Global Asia, we're a referral partner for you and your agency at Magna AMS. And I'm sure you know if they were to we work with you, is there some kind of um, special offer or opportunity maybe if they if they come from us that we could share today? Yeah, absolutely. We'll do, we know we're happy to do it. We obviously always do a free consultation and we will do, uh, happy to have like a 20% off for the first month as well. 
awesome. and that is usually the most stressful month for a lot of people. Um, and you know, it, because it takes a long time to get to get up. Often people are like, "Oh, you know, I've been, you know, I'm going to go on Amazon. I'm going to sell tomorrow." And usually, there's a lot of dead time where it's preparing and doing research and all of that time can feel like, oh my gosh, I'm just spending money. So we always, that 20%, I hope to be really useful for you, for you, for you guys. Um, and you don't feel like you're just spending out all your money and that there's something that you're kind of saving on as well. Wow. That's really generous and appreciative. So what's the I'm best married. way, what's the best way people could reach out or connect with, with either, um, you know, for, for working with you? Yeah. So magnetams.com. So that's www.magnetams. Uh, so magnet and then apple mother sugar in case you're confused.com. We have a, you can always, there's a little connect with us form there. You can fill it out and reach out and you can also email support. So we have a kind of general support inbox for inquiries and just kind of regular relationships with our kind of clients. So you can email support at magnetams.com and somebody there will be happy to assist you and put you in touch with someone that can talk to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Connie. It's really great to have you on the show. We really appreciate these insights. And well, of course. Yeah, we'll put this all in the show notes. We'll we'll link up uh, in the show notes as well. So thanks again, Connie. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thanks, Connie. So what do you think in the Philippines? Is it noticeable about UK and US English language? I think in the Philippines... uh, uh, I think in the Philippines, it's more of a US style. But there are some who prefer UK accent. (laughs) Yeah, actually, for me, I I always heard, or I I mean, I I want to watch UK UK movies or British movies because I like their accent, and yeah, I also enjoy watching English um US English language. Sometimes know? we do the mix of both both yeah yeah, and there are also <laughs> movies that you will just you know it's hard to comprehend if it's US or UK. Because some actors and actresses can do both, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so. Uh, thank you for everyone for tuning in. Again, the show notes are at globalfromasia.com slash UK differences. Thank you. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.